For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. And just for anyone uh, new who doesn't know, our director, Alex Bernstein, is the director of Ancient Dragons and I'm very happy that he's here to give this talk this evening. Thank you, Ty, and uh, thank you, Dragons. Um, I appreciate you having me and inviting me to talk. And it was a real coup to get me and Peter Coyote in the same week, don't you think? Yeah, um, yeah, very marvelous, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I wanted to talk briefly to you guys uh, this evening about, I guess it's, it's, it's about parenting, but parenting is sort of the instigating um, event, um, and it's sort of more of a practice journey uh, thereafter. But um, I want to start with something my first Buddhist teacher, wonderful teacher in, um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Her name is Haji Sunan. There's a question she once asked, which was, um, there is a scarecrow shivering alone in the woods what can you do to help? Again, there is a scarecrow shivering alone in the woods. What can you do to help? Um, so I guess my journey to Buddhist practice started, and the reason is, is I've been thinking about this a lot recently is because for those of you who don't know, some of you do, but... Um, I found out maybe about a month ago that um, uh, my partner, Sabaha, is pregnant. And I'm going to be a very, very old uh, dad for the second time. Um, I have a son from a previous marriage. He's uh, 12 and a half. Um, he's not thrilled in case anyone's going to that's saying. Um, but... Uh, so my son, he uh, was born, um, I don't know, 12 and a half years ago. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I really thought a lot about practicing meditation. I was kind of like, you know, uh, a beer brewing and, and uh, beer can chicken kind of guy. And, you know, I felt like everything was pretty much... Uh, laid out before me in terms of you know that I was going to be a be a dad in a in a small family, but um, you know my my wife and I at that time we just really never um, figured out uh, how to be together with our new son, and you know um, like it's kind of like falling asleep. Our marriage fell apart, you know, slowly and then all at once. And uh, by, you know, November of 2011, um, I found myself uh, sleeping on the Smurf sheets in my parents' basement. So um, um, these are sort of how these things go, I, I guess. But for me at the time, um, you know, uh, it's a real, real um, crisis. I sort of felt, uh, you know, um, 
exiled from my um, my home and my life and and uh, my family and um, um, also just you know uh, being a uh, all of a sudden a part-time single parent which is something that never occurred to me in a million years and um, just remember that Sam was uh, 10 months old and I remember I had my first night alone with him uh, in uh, that sort of dark November evening between Thanksgiving and Christmas. He was a very colicky baby and um, he would cry and cry and cry for for hours and um, just remember on this particular night after maybe three or four hours of intense uh, crying when finally stopped i was deathly afraid uh to check to see if he was still breathing because i i was i was certain he had died um and so this is sort of the um the time of panic attacks and and anxiety and dread and identity crisis and of course you know found a buddhist temple on yelp uh as uh, seemed to be uh you know the the you know uh, benzodiazepines are not effective, so I thought I, I I need a little bit of peace of mind. Maybe some some maybe some others in this room came to practice in a in a moment of crisis. Um, and um, yeah, and and Hodge, the student who I just mentioned, uh, taught the class, and um, it was um, I don't know, it was incredible. It was incredible. It was um, you know. I learned, uh, you know, not just about zazen, but that you know that in the in breath uh, is important, but uh, the outgoing breath is more important still, and uh, even more important yet is that small space at the bottom of your exhalation. And uh, I was invited to relax into the spaciousness of that and um i i was hooked i wanted i wanted to live there forever um you know i've always been an anxiety anxious person and um sort of um but this acute distress of single parenting and, and divorce had had really um left me seeking a refuge and zazen uh maybe some of you who uh, were new to practice, um, everything in the world, you know, you read in the Avatamsaka Sutra about those, um, those magnificently adorned halls, um, and the whole world uh, just seemed like that. And, and I, just, I just wanted, um, I wanted more. Um, and so, you know, I... I very quickly became, um, uh, I don't know, I guess addicted to, to Zazen at, at the time and to practice. Um, and, you know, it was, it was wonderful. I remember, you know, my, my son, he would only sleep if I had, uh, if I had my hand on his back, you know, I don't know how he knew, but the moment I took my hand off, he would wake up and start crying and complaining. And so, 
I just remember, you know, practicing zazen, uh, lying on the floor next to his crib with my with my hand on on his back until he and and then then I would would fall asleep. Um, and um, yeah, I guess I just was was really really all in um, to practice and um, you know seeking. Um, uh, more as the months and years went by seeking sort of more advanced uh trainings uh ordination um and you know reading everything i, I could find on, uh, on buddhism and um as you might be able to tell like i think i kind of got uh, or an, i know i kind of got out of balance a bit and uh one of the myths understandings I think I, I took away from Buddhism is I read about, you know, well, uh, uh, about the five aggregates, um, which uh, is sort of, you know, uh, reducing who we are into, um, you know, uh, sort of mental processes and, and you know, that uh, uh, reducing sort of uh, the world to dharmas. And, and this is wonderful, profound experience I've had of sort of the absoluteness of everything. Um, I uh, just got really attached to um, kind of trying to erase myself um, as as a way uh, as a as a form of practice, and that uh, you know, and even even the the, the template T-shirts that literally read "Suffering is optional" uh, with the big Enzo, um, and. Um, I, I, I really believe this, that um, through uh, practice, I could, um, you know, in, in, in dutiful, constant practice, um, I could um, get rid of my ego and sort of essentially transcend suffering, which I know it sounds a little, uh, a little naive, but at the time, I really, I really did um, believe it. Um, and so this created some problems in, in my life. Um, so, uh, the first one is, you know, obviously it's, it, it was impossible for me to escape myself and, um, and to <laughs> eliminate my ego. So I sort of, you know, I was in this position where for a number of years I was kind of, uh, denying uh, my ego, uh, and it was just sort of operating like this little ego golem that was running around and, and cause, <laughs> causing injury to others in my life. Um, you know, and this culminated when, despite my partner, um, Sabaha, who's, uh, who's not pregnant with their child, um, um, and, and 2019 after taking ordination, despite her, um, entreaties um, I, I moved into the temple and became sort of the sole caretaker of it and um, and then there was another instance when the the uh, the teacher um, asked me to uh, uh, leave my family and, and come build a, uh, a temple with him in in Virginia and um, you know, fortunately, I, I, I didn't accept, but I did feel guilty. I thought I was being, um, I thought I was being quite selfish by by not um, um, going to, you know, effacing myself further. 
to kind of go and um, pursue uh, selfless dharma, you know, which goes to the kind of the second problem, um, um, which is that, you know, if, for for me, it made me very susceptible to being uh, manipulated um, because, you know, when um, you're engaged in the practice of, of you know, self-erasure, um, um, you know, I don't know if anyone saw that Netflix. It's not a good series. I'm never recommending it. It's the one on cults that is presently uh, circulating. But, um, you know, when uh, when things were happening that uh, were unjust or, or, or not right, um, you know, I mean, a natural human way to respond to them is to become angry or to, to become upset, um, uh, which are very useful fundamentally human emotions but uh in the context of the, the practice of trying to eliminate uh the ego you know the you can be told that those emotions are um inappropriate or that um, um you know that um if you are experiencing them or acting out or acting um, from your ego that you're essentially not a good practitioner. And, you know, of course, the the answer to that is always to practice more. Um, and then also, you know, I mean, I think it, it, it created uh, this sort of gaining mind for me or instrumentalizing practice where um, in this sort of quest to, um, um, you know, um, you know, transcend suffering, that I uh, was um, using practice to feel better um, and constantly kind of checking, is this working, is this working? And, uh, you know, uh, there were kind of diminishing returns. So my response, of course, was to practice more. Um, and, and when I say practice, you know, zazen and chanting and, uh, and prostrating. Um, to to the point where after uh, six or seven years, you know, I was practicing uh, consistently for, you know, four or five hours a day. And it was really uh, hampering my ability to participate in, in parenting and in my family life. And I was sort of consistently putting my son off on my parents or babysitters so that I could just go on and, and practice more. But, um, you know, uh, Fortunately, it, at, at a certain point, I realized that, um, that this wasn't dharma um, or this isn't true dharma, um, that this sort of a, a stilted understanding um, that I had acquired of dharma. And, um, you know, through um, Buddhist Peace Fellowship, I had met Taigen and I had the fortune of sitting at, at other temples uh, where, um, you know, um, I, I began to be exposed more to uh, ideas uh, um, about um, sort of Huayen, uh philosophy um, and other aspects that were inherent in, in the teachings that I'd been exposed to, but I just had, wasn't receptive, them, uh, receptive to them at the time. And I realized that the primary consequence of, of this sort of self-effacement or viewing suffering, it's not real, is that I was really cutting myself off from um, uh, from compassion for other people and, and for myself because if, if suffering um, um, is 
is seen on some fundamental level is, is being not real, um, then, um, you know, the suffering that I put my partner through when I sort of abandoned her to move into the temple or my own suffering or my own anger or, or uh, disappointment um, or feelings of, of uh, being lost at um, parenting or uh, having my own family upended that, um, um, you know, to say they weren't real um, uh, made it really hard to, to grieve for myself and for the loss of that uh, life um, and, and further cut me off from others. And I think we see a lot of that um, in terms of uh, um, the the uh, proto fascist uh, uh, conservative party in in the United States that uh, the the sort of tendency for everyone to feel want to feel a proclivity which I think is human to perceive the absolute and feel together um, is being manipulated um, to sort of um, efface or eliminate differences. Um, uh, and that that cause real harm and real suffering in terms of uh, uh, race and what's happening to the LGBTQ plus uh, that's being perpetrated by Ron DeSantis in Florida and, and others, um, and to efface these uh, kind of differences and to say that they don't exist and to say that uh, and to minimize the the suffering that people are uh, experiencing is to really. Uh, deny karma, which is why I, I appreciate that um, before my talk today, we avowed our, our ancient twisted karma, which seems sort of a, the more balanced approach. So, yes, again, and I think uh, the, the um, Huayan philosophy has been really helpful for me as, as we look at the sort of the um, the, uh, the mutual non-obstruction of the phenomenon and the noumenon and how they're operating within each other. And that it's not so much that there is no ego or no self as I see it, but more that, um, um, that our perspective can be limited on those things and that we can... Uh, fail to perceive the scope of uh, the way that we're connected uh, to one another. So uh, uh, this brings me back to January, 12, 12 and a half years later, um, after uh, I first came to practice and, and uh, parenting. Um, and, you know, I think, the, the 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 metaphor of a crying baby is a, a very apt one because you know when I when I for those of us who are parents, um, uh, if if a if a child is is crying, uh, you, you know, or a, a newborn infant, you don't uh, sort of gladly explain to them that their suffering isn't real. Um, but you just, you just, um, <laughs> you just comfort, you comfort the child and, um, you know, we comfort ourselves uh, and each other in the same way. And, um, 
you know, in the same way we undertake this bodhisattva path, which um, sort of in, in the ultimate paradox uh, vows to save all beings. Like, but as it says in the Prajna Paramita, Vajra uh, Chedika Prajna Paramita Sutra, that not a single living being um, is saved. Um, so I'm thinking about that. I don't know. I haven't learned anything about parenting really from the first go around, but um, uh, I'm just going to try and be open-hearted and, and surprised and uh, and hope for the best. Um, and I'm very excited to bring um, our new baby into this community to meet each and every one of you. I don't know how long it's going to be till she sits Zazen, but uh, <laughs> we're going to get started right away. Uh, I wanted to close with uh, something that uh, I've been thinking about because Hogetsu uh, and a number of uh, uh, Dragon Sapas uh, traveled, uh, and I see Elliot here, um, to uh, Tassajara about a month ago, and uh, there's so many uh, small streams, you know, that uh, California's been so dry, but not recently. So, and then I, right after Tassajara, not a week later, I went to the Berkshires, and there's just all these tiny streams coming out from everywhere on the side of the road, and um, um, and it's a surprise at them. And, um, uh, we learned about a little something called the ocean mirror samadhi, um, and I asked my teacher, "What is this ocean mirror samadhi?" And um, he responded, um, "In in Korea, but no doubt in Japan and uh, mountains of California and the Berkshires, when the snows melt in the spring, ten thousand streams flow down the mountains." to the ocean, um, and in those streams reflects 10,000 moons. Thank you. I appreciate listening to me tonight. If you want to set the ground rules first, that's okay. Oh, just any comments, okay. questions, responses? I know there are other parents here and other people who are not parents. So either way, please. Sure. Oh, Alex, that was just such a nice talk. And um, I think that you should give yourself a little more credit. I think you know more about parenting than you <laughs> realize um, because of what you were saying about um you know, with your son needing to kind of be there for him and respect that he's that's where he is right now. And, and you know, what you were saying about, like, you know, you don't explain to a tiny child that their suffering isn't, isn't real. Um, and maybe I hope that that's some of how you've learned to be with yourself as well, to respect your humanness and your needs. Um, I, I, I wanted to offer a comment about um, the suggestion that you, you know, give up everything in your life and move to Virginia. I, that, that's, that is so unfair, you know, and uh, I, 
spent some time in my life also thinking about this very question of how do we let someone push us beyond our boundaries in a helpful way? Because, because really, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we're doing, we are, we are going beyond our boundaries a little bit. How do we, how do we trust someone to um, give us some skillful, you know, advice about that or, or offer a skillful observation? And, um, and it's, and it's hard because it does set us up to be, um, you know, harmed potentially by that, by, by um, someone who is not recognizing that we do have our own personal boundaries and that that's okay. You know, I, so um, I think that it's important for anyone who takes an authority role in a Buddhist community to really look at themselves and, and their own motivations and um, and to very much respect you know, the humanity of everyone who comes to practice and, you know, including ourselves. Um, one time I was back when, uh, there have been times when I've been sitting on an inflatable cushion and uh, I, you know, was, it was the end of the, the sitting and I was like sort of deflating it and, and uh, a Zen friend said to me, well, you know, I, I said, well, I, I can't do it all at once. And, and he said, well, but you're supposed to deflate, you know, completely. And I said, yes, <laughs> but not all at once. <laughs> you know, so we, 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 we have to take responsibility, I think, within ourselves for knowing how much to let, how much is healthy for us to let go of at any given time. And uh, because not, not respecting that can have horrible consequences, um, in terms of mental health and you know all kinds of things, but uh, but it sounds like you you already understand that about your child and your child to be who is sitting zazen right now actually swimming um, <laughs> zazen. <laughs> so so I hope that you will you know appreciate that about yourself. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for talking. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you know, in your talk, you raised uh, so many points <laughs> that are worth exploring, I think, especially for pretty much everyone in the room as a partner or as head partner. That's just a, a huge challenge trying to figure out what practice means uh, for people who live in the world and have families and partners, and uh, a practice that's pretty firmly embedded in domestic environments, how do we take that out? You know, it's a question, I guess, obviously we all have to answer for ourselves, but there is that tension, well, I'm, I need to go sit a session or something like that, or I want to go sit a session, and that means your children, partner, or home alone, and sort of Carrying the weight, some weight that you would otherwise be carrying. It's hard to decide what's reasonable or not. And it's easy to um, to find yourself thinking, well, you know, gosh, I could practice a whole lot more if I were in a relationship and didn't have children. 
which is a good time to think about, okay, well, what do you think that this is about? <laughs> um, that's not, I, I think probably it's not our first reaction <laughs> to say, wait a minute, that's a real gaining idea you're dealing with there. But, um, so I really appreciate the talk. Thank you, Douglas. It reminds me of a decision that young Siddhartha Gautama uh, made uh, when he left home uh, to be a way seeker, right? And uh, um, I wonder, I wonder if that weighed on him. I know Rahula got his inheritance in the end, so that made it okay. But uh, yeah, it's it is it's it's baked in uh, to our tradition, and it's something that I think that it's important. Uh, to be uh, thought about um, that, um, you know, this ideal, misplaced or not, that um, attachments of family and to loved ones come at the uh, expense of practice. And I think we're uh, trying to uh, re-examine that as, as modern-lay uh, practitioner bodhisattvas. Thank you for thinking. I think that's one of the great aspects of, I don't know, American Buddhism, modern Buddhism, that we include parenting and partnering as practice. It's not only sitting by yourself on the cushion. It's how we interact and express that with family, friends, everyone, and parenting and partnering. So thank you, folks, for helping us see that. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that really vulnerable cascade of experiences. You know, I just think, oh my God, you had this new baby and having to deal with a divorce at the same time and a colicky baby, which is almost grounds for divorce for any <laughs> You know, um, I have not given birth to children, but I helped raise a couple, about five now, <laughs> couple. And I remember those sweet times of, you know, sitting with them. I never thought it was different than Zazen as little babies. Um, and then they get older, you know, they learn how to go. <sighs> and their dad would say to me, you're a witch. But what do you mean? Well, they just calm down around you. So you just say, ah. No. So you've learned a lot. So much, I think, like Asian everyone, you know, that it will, and also now you're with this community. Like, I'm like, I can't wait to see this baby, you know. And hopefully our Sangha, you know, uh, Amber's children have been here with Dylan and with Amber. And we'll find ways. There's still a baby gate upstairs, to create, if you need to borrow one, but there's also upstairs, I have a built-in to have a playpen, but our whole practice is, is nurturing. Maybe there's nothing else. So um, I hope we can support you, and I hope that, uh, that we're not a cult. <laughs> I think we're working on not being a cult here, but being a playpen. So I just want to thank you for sharing that and uh, wish you and your family well and hope we can support you in any way possible. So thank you.
Thank you for volunteering to babysit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just mention that we have had an ancient dragon send get baby blessing ceremony. Yeah. So that's an option too. Done. Yeah, well, I, I want to say that first and foremost that I hope um, that we support you and your family in being yourselves, uh, you know, and that we can be a resource for a joyful life, you know, first and foremost. But that's, um, I feel like Zen has a reputation for being very serious, and I feel like that's uh, feels to me in my heart like a misunderstanding. I think it's so much, it's, it's rooted in joy. So I hope we can build that together and support you all creating that encouragement, spreading that. Um, and I think when I think about how um, I practice, like in a family life, um, you know, when when the girls are here, I've been. I think I I usually think about it like um, the line. I try to think about it like the line in. The jewelry is to practice secretly like a fool, like an idiot. Where I think about how how do I say or embody what what practice means to me without talking about you know the four, the five aggregates, or the four noble truths, or any of the stuff on the surface level of what it's called. How do I how do I talk about uh, fairness and teamwork? And love and compassion, and um, and so when I'm with the girls or uh, with Amber, or all of us are together, that, that I'm not trying to like spread any doctrine of any kind, particular, but just try to be um, uh, helping them try to experiment with love and compassion and how to be fair. Um, and, uh, and I think my the life that I have, like the times that I've been with the girls, has been. It feels similar to my time in the sangha, where there's you know it feels it is my family, and there are times when that's a huge support, and there are times when like you know there were a couple of days when they were here this summer where she Amber would come home from work and she would find me like you know, like, huddled in the side of the couch, being like, I can't, I don't have any more to give. I don't know. They, they just need me all the time. And um, and, and uh, uh, I think I'm learning more how to ask for help, which is one of the eco-soccer vows. I don't know if it's one of the other vows, but how, how to help, you know, to, to vow to help others to ask for help when I feel the need. And so I'm getting some training out of being able to raise my hand and be like, Okay, you know, I, I need a day off, or you know, can I get ten minutes to just not talk to anybody, and then I promise I'll come out and you know be uh, stepdad again, you know. So, thanks. Yes, I think there's a lot of room for uh, crazy wisdom and, and parenting, and uh, uh, I'm really pleased to hear that you. Some in the spirit of okay, uh, uh, is, the, is that the, the Chinese bodhisattva who likes with children? Yeah. Thank you.
Yes, now I'm going to adjust so that I can be on the screen. Um, Alex, thank you so much. Thank you for that talk. Thank you for sharing your story. So the part about it that really resonates with me is you talked about your spiritual journey. You talked about, I think you called it like a naive gullibility in yourself. And I really relate to that. And then finding yourself in versions of spiritual practice that, you know, were like where you were trying to efface yourself or deny your humanity. And I, and I so relate to that. I, I, I had, you know, experience, spiritual experiences that were like that. And I, I definitely came to, to Zen Buddhism um, in a crisis moment. And it was because, you know, after 60 years of saying, well, you know, Zen might have some usefulness for me, but I just can't go to another cult-like organization. I just can't do it. I can't tolerate hearing pieties about, the, you know, the Lord Buddha said life is suffering, so shut up. And, and, and you know, and, and I real and so I'm so grateful for this community. And I'm really grateful that, that, that you're part of it, you know. Um, um, yeah, this thing about the non-obstruction of, 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 of the, the, the two realities is, is real stuff. And, and it, in my experience, it keeps this place sane and healthy. And I'm really grateful that you're here, part of it. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. So we're getting towards time to, to close, but if anybody online or uh, here has anything else, uh, please feel free to another comment question. And I'm, oh, Patrick, you have your hand up. Great. I was wondering. Oh, he, he doesn't. Uh, I, just I, had the, I just had the, I just had the, I was just cursing oh, him. I, I cursed so him. I was thinking of calling on you because uh, you also have a toddler. And, uh, so I don't know if you had any thoughts, Patrick, about what Alex was saying. Uh, I'll give you the last word. There. Hey, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you, Alex. That was a, a, Nice talk, and I, I was um, reflecting on, yeah, my uh, own experience and the balance of uh, practice and um, being responsible for a tiny human. And um, at the end of um, the practice commitment period, um, I had a really wonderful experience trying to juggle that. Um, and, um, I was on, uh, baby duty for that weekend. And so my sitting revolved around nap time. Um, uh, and so when Penny napped, I sat, um, and sometimes that aligned with, uh, the Zendo, sometimes that didn't. Um, but then when she was awake, I carried that sitting feeling, um, interacting with her and feeding her and playing with her. And then, um, it turned into this really like beautiful dance almost. Um, and, uh, it, I, I will say that the um 
it is a struggle. <laughs> and so practice then is um, just being present with Penny in those moments, um, uh, which is also a struggle, just like I struggle being present on the cushion. Um, but it is a, a wonderful moment then when we, uh, we can, we share laughs and interact and try new food and just being, uh, present with her, uh, becomes the fulfilling practice. Um, so congratulations, uh, and congratulations on the next chapter of practice. Thank you, Patrick. I remember when Sam stopped napping when he was four. It was the second crisis of my life. I literally <laughs> thought I was going to die. So uh, uh, enjoy, enjoy those moments of peace because they won't last forever. Thank you. <laughs>